0: All right. Good morning, good afternoon. This is Mike Benson, and you're listening to the new first edition, first episode of the Peers Like Me podcast uh, with Maura Kelly. Maura, how are you today?
1: Good. The sunshine is out in Buffalo, New York, and that's uh, always a bonus.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So we're starting this new podcast, um, talking about, it's titled Peers Like Me. Uh, Can we talk a little bit more about what we're trying to do with with this podcast?
1: Sure. Um, Basically, we're trying to give out information and get information from a community uh, about behavioral health issues that impact all our lives. So uh, in June, I took on the task of being uh, a new position, a new concept with the West New York Independent Living as a behavior Health Peer Liaison uh, for Erie, Niagara, Genesee, Wyoming, and Orleans County. So uh, we, uh, the board, and Douglas Uziak, the CEO, discussed and saw a need for people with behavioral health issues, for people with mental health and substance use issues that impact their life, um, to have a liaison in their corner to help them navigate the system and um, protect their rights uh, that might be infringed because of having a behavioral health disability.
0: Okay. So that's a behavioral health peer liaison. That could be a mouthful.
1: Yes, yes. And liaison has two eyes in it. So
0: <laughs> sounds like somebody's become intimate with spell check.
1: Right, right. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Um. So tell me a little bit more about about you and how you got to this point where um you're now that position.
1: Okay. So a key point. A key word in this title, behavior Health Peer Liaison, is the word peer. And basically, a peer is someone similar or equal sharing common issues or concerns. Okay. And I am a uh, mental health uh, recipient. Uh, I started receiving services. In fact, I, I, when I graduated from high school, and uh, went to St. Bonaventure University. One of the first things I did was went to mental health counseling because I knew I I needed help. So uh, I've been seeking help in uh, dealing with a mental illness. And uh, through that, it led me to a career in the mental health field. And I was one of the founders in Established Mental Health Peer Connection. In 1997. And uh, so, for about 23 years or so, I was the director of Mental Health Peer Connection and started many programs that were non traditional uh, services for people with mental health issues and, behavior, and addictions issues. And We got a lot of peers, a lot of people with mental health issues hired to support other people with mental health issues. And we got a lot of funding and we got a lot of money. And last, coming out of the pandemic, the isolation, I reviewed my career and decided I was more into advocacy. And fighting for the rights. That's sort of how Mental Health Peer Connection came to be. We uh, advocated for equal health insurance and equal housing and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. And um, that's what I enjoyed doing the most. And it was time to make a a change in my career. So the West New York Independent Living uh, helped me out with that and said, okay, we think there's a need more can you do this and so since june i've been canvassing the uh, five counties and just taking a view and looking what's going on in the five counties as far as behavioral health concerns are uh are in our community so that's a brief summary of my whole life so
0: <laughs> well that's interesting so so not only do you have all the, the professional credentials and qualifications of somebody in your role, you know, what it's like to sit on the other side of the table.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, it's funny. As a mental health patient, being a mental health patient, I became a certified psychiatric rehabilitation practitioner. I, you know, I, I became uh, a, a professional, you know, so uh, and pretty respected in, in my, uh, field of expertise. So, yeah. Great.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Independent Living has, has a, a, a number of programs that rely on peers, uh, to provide counseling and mentoring and, 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 services, um, for people that might be looking for career choices. Are, are there tracks for people who want to be peers that yes. they can gain the professional qualifications?
1: Yes. Uh, it's interesting. The, the peer movement started in the 1930s with Alcoholics Anonymous. And basically the concept was this guy couldn't get sober. He couldn't stop drinking until he figured out the only way he could stop drinking was to help another suffering alcoholic. And that was how Alcoholics Anonymous got started. And that concept was carried on to mental health and we found that the only way to stay healthy ourselves was to help other people uh get mentally healthy too with their choices so um that concept has developed over the years and now in new york state as part of the development of this we have the academy of peer services and you can just type that in and there are uh numerous courses one can take and it gives all the directions on how to take these courses and be certified as a peer, an official peer support specialist, which can bill insurance companies. The key though, is that you have to have a mental health issue yourself to be a peer. That's the biggest qualification. And our agency, West New York Independent Living Mental Health Peer Connection, can assist people in uh, navigating and taking the course. And uh, you can take the course, and there's a lot of employers in the behavioral health field looking for certified peers uh, to hire so they can bill insurance. So it's a money yep. maker. The, sal- the, the entry-level salary in upper New York State is about uh I would say between thirty-four and thirty eight thousand dollars annually with okay. most salaries you get health insurance and coverage and retirement and days off and all that stuff. So you can basically make a living because you have a mental health issue. Okay. So, yeah.
0: And when we talk about mental health and behavioral health, a lot of pictures come to mind. There's the, I guess there's a lot of different kinds of mental health diagnosis and behavioral health diagnosis. Um, uh, Does the peer model work across all of those, or is it really better for, for some than it is for others?
1: It works. Well, what I have found in my history is that it doesn't really matter what someone has been diagnosed with, as far as a mental illness. What matters is the desire to overcome that diagnosis or to live with that disability and master it, so um that's really like we don't help people that don't want help uh we okay. anyone that's been diagnosed and wants help, we can peers can help them get on the road to recovery okay, and it's important to know that mental health is a disability that you know once you're you know stable, you're going to stay that way the rest of your, your life. Hopefully that happens for a lot of people, but, but sometimes people with serious mental illness, including myself, have ups and downs, and um, hopefully they're not too up and too down, but it's a fluid uh, disability uh, that uh, changes as life goes on so um, So the diagnosis doesn't really matter.
0: Okay, and as a disability mental health there's there's no cure for mental health there's there's recovery and there's other kinds of ways to accommodate, but it's not like you know if you catch the flu or catch a cold you you can you know take some pills or, or you know get some medicine. Mental health is not that way you're, you're if you've got an issue or a challenge, you're gonna have that for forever right no no
1: no so it's interesting so. Mental health isn't an exact science, and a lot of people would even disagree with having a mental health diagnosis. I was visiting my brother my sister and brother-in-law in Pittsburgh this weekend, and my brother-in-law talked about uh, going to counseling to deal with stress, and he he was taught how to deal with the stressful situation he was in. And he, he did that, he said about a year ago. And he said he, he went for a short time. He has the tools and he mastered that and he doesn't seek help anymore because he has those tools. So sometimes, you know, sometimes people have relationship problems or going through grieving or, or something like that or a depression because of loss. You know, those, some mental illnesses are not lifelong. You know, some are. And okay. it's again it's not an exact science.
0: So Okay. Yeah. Now let's say somebody's listening to this podcast and, and, and um they're not seeing any doctors or they're not been formally diagnosed, would starting out talking to a peer be a, a good um way to kind of get them on a path?
1: Yeah, yeah. So what what I found is when people's or my life goes isn't working, if if uh, my major life activities, my family, work, budgeting, uh, uh, living on my own, or uh, if those major life activities are not working because of my behavioral or emotional issues, seeking out a consult with a peer, or just talking to a peer, might help People um, peers are not clinical. Peers do not diagnose. Peers are just supportive and get feedback and their truthful thoughts about help what's going on, what that person is seeking. Okay. You know, I, I've I've never had anyone come up to me and say, "Hey, do I have a mental illness?" Mainly, they they say something like how do I deal with my boyfriend, you know, or how do I, you know, how, how, how do I buy a house? You know, how, how do I get out of being in government housing, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: So a uh, appears, uh, it's probably a great starting point because, you know, if, if you want to uh, learn how to play with trains, you're going to talk to a friend who knows all about model trains, right. Uh, a peer is the same thing. Um, what would the next step be? I mean, some programs need a diagnosis in order to to really help you out, uh, right? If, what would the next step be? Yeah, you don't go to your family doctor for something like that, right?
1: Well, you can, yes. Most people, yeah, I'm educating you. Like uh, most people, start their mental health journey with their primary care physician.
0: Okay, and
1: uh, they might prescribe an antidepressant or something or something for anxiety and when the issue gets more serious the physician or the person involved refers to a specialist okay and that's where psychiatry and, and psychotherapy come in with the west new york independent living our funding is such that anyone of our independent living centers in Genesee County and Niagara County and in Erie County can uh, provide services in a peer relationship. Mental health peer connection is part of the West New York independent living and the, the council and everyone that works there has a behavioral health issue. And because of funding need a proof of a psychiatric disability. So someone would come in, and if they don't have proof, we just ask them to, you know, go to their doctor or help them get a doctor or help them get um, a diagnosis, so we can get funding through the state and federal government to um, help that person. Okay. Which is so the what well, the you New York Independent Living is all about people with disabilities helping people with disabilities. Mental health peer connection is specifically. For people with behavioral health issues so so there's more targeted uh identification with each other so
0: okay that that sounds great yeah. um and then i think you know your your background and and leading this new initiative um is, is huge and understanding more about what what peers do is is important um, you know, we're coming out of this COVID pandemic. or hopefully coming out of this COVID right. pandemic. And that's put a lot of new pressures on people. Um, there's a new normal, quote unquote, um, out there. Uh, but I think over the last 18 months, we, we've seen lots of situations, especially in the headlines where um, people have had challenges um, and they've ended up face to face with police officers or with other people that might have been able to handle things differently. Um, is that, are those kinds of situations where, where peer support and those kinds of things might've been helpful?
1: Yes, yes. So during the pandemic, some, well, th- we had the Black Lives Matter movement and we also have uh, a, a lot of serious, in fact, uh, Daniel Prude in Rochester was shot Uh, killed because uh, his behavior uh, because of a mental illness. And uh, I saw that. And one of my roles, one of my most important roles is to educate people on how to deal with people like me so they're not killed. So there's more understanding. And so I'm on the... uh, Erie County uh, Threat Assessment Management Team and we've only started, we only did a a two-day training and the understanding of mental illness is very needed in the community. And I saw that in this training and the Buffalo Police have responded, in my opinion, inhumanely to certain situations with people with mental health issues and um i'm bringing it to their attention saying look at there's other ways to deal with people with mental illness besides you know the way you're dealing with them mm-hmm. so, yeah and they're okay. listening which is great they're they there's the community is seeking to understand what that's what i'm finding
0: out I guess it could be it could be tricky i mean it's it's not a black or white issue for a police officer or for anybody right. in that matter it's not like I caught you speeding i 'm going to give you a ticket i right. caught you robbing a bank i 'm going to put you in cuffs and take you to jail and in a situation like this, some very often the person that they 're talking to hasn't really done anything wrong right but there's a fear that they might do something either to themselves or to others
1: right so there's this line. There's, this, there's a line in the sand you cannot cross or else you you don't have many rights at all so yeah. basically if you're determined to be an imminent threat to yourself or others your rights are taken away and for your safety they say you're taken to the hospital and you're evaluated, they can hold you legally for 72 hours to see if you're okay. They might admit you and help you uh, not be a threat to yourself or others. Mm -hmm. The problem is sometimes people in authority are maybe parental and very concerned and uh, there's no clear definition of what Uh, an imminent threat to yourself or others is, you know, that doesn't, that's not clear. It's not black and white, like you said. So one incident, this woman was outside in the freezing cold with her pajamas on and she had a scissors and no one was around her and she was out there for hours. And the police had this, it's called a ballo ballo bolo wrap bolo wrap you can look it up and basically it's a mechanism that shoots out rope and sort of hog ties the individual so that they're not their hands and their legs are bounded okay then the police can pick them up and put them in a car to, to take them to the hospital right i think there's other ways to deal with people in uh situation than uh hog tying them like a cow or a pig.
0: So that, that kind of leads us in, a, you know, you and I have had previous conversations about this and you brought up something called an advanced directive. Is, right. that, is that the kind of situation where this might've been helpful?
1: Yes. So I met with captain Amber Byer and she's uh, a captain in the Buffalo police department And she was the one that was part of this bowl wrapping this individual. And I talked to her about advanced directives and she didn't know anything about it. And basically an advanced directive is giving someone a permission to be your healthcare proxy if you're deemed to be uh, not competent to make decisions for yourself. And we hear about healthcare proxies when someone's in the hospital but people in our community don't know what to do when someone it seems like they don't have capacity to make decisions so an advanced directive is this document one makes that's unique to them that says when i'm in trouble this person can help me out or I need to be taken to this hospital, or I can. I do not want to be taken to this hospital because, and you express your reasons, or this medication works for me. Please don't put me on this, another medication because of the side effects or whatever. But it's specific instructions, individualized for that person. So when the police arrive, when the family doesn't know what to do, They can pull out the advance directive and basically it's directions for that individual, what they need to do. Just like when someone falls down on a bicycle, everyone runs to that person and, you know, they know what to do, check to see if there's any bleeding or broken bones. No one knows what to do with mental illness. I shouldn't say no one, but because it's not seen, because a lot of people can't relate to it, it freezes people up and they panic and, Sometimes people's panic violates the rights of people with behavioral health issues. Right. So advanced directive is the directions, you
0: know? Yeah. So So you you can't look at somebody and automatically assume, you know, what's going on with them. Uh, Right. So is this advanced directive? Is this something like uh, uh, somebody carries in their wallet? Um, Yeah.
1: So it's a, it's a legal document but you can get a card, and in, in the West New York Independent Living has these, and it's a advanced directive, a card the size of an insurance card that you would okay. keep next to your insurance card in your wallet, saying, I have an advanced directive. My healthcare proxy is Mike Benson or whatever. His phone number is this. So when someone is in competitive, can't make decisions or appears to can't make decisions. All they have to do is pull out that card, and someone has to ask, Do you have an advanced directive? And that person that is trusted, that healthcare proxy, can uh, smooth things out so there's less traum- traumatic experiences. So you can stick it in your wallet. You can, I've given it to my doctors and my family. You know the whole document. You know some people stick it on their refrigerator, uh, just so it's available. So if an emergency happens, they can say, "Oh, here, here's an advance directive. We can. We, here are the directions for Maura Kelly." So, yeah.
0: Okay, and then I guess the nice thing about that is, is the the person who carries a card helped decide what to put on that card and who to call.
1: It exactly. wasn't decided for them. Right. Right. And the more detail the advance directive is, the better it is. And it might be brought to a judge. The judge might have to determine if this person can uh, speak for themselves. Okay. And the more detail the judge has, the more likely the judge will uh, provide the individual with what they want and need. And okay. everyone at, at in, in Erie County at the Western New York independent living is trained to help people develop their own advanced directive. So they can come here and uh, just come and say, I want an advanced directive and we can help them out. So it's free. You don't, we don't charge anything, you know, it's confidential. So, uh, you know, it's just, a a a tool to use in our recovery.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let's say, um, you know, we're working with 100 people. Um, not all those people need to carry a card like that. In fact, it's probably just a, just a handful, right?
1: Right. It's people with a history of mental illness. Okay. So anyone that has a history of being in a hospital because of psychiatric re- reasons would are more likely to be considered to not be able to make their own decisions. Okay. So anyone that has a history should have an advanced directive. Okay. Just in case. But not everyone. Like my brother in law that went to counseling for managing stress probably doesn't have an advanced directive that I know of. You know, most people don't don't need that.
0: Would it be safe to say that most people with a mental health diagnosis have not been to a hospital or any setting like that?
1: Yes. Yes. Most people. Uh, I think the rates are higher, but one in five people in America experience a mental health issue one point in time in their history, in their life. Okay. Uh, a Serious mental illness is uh, more life impacting than just a mental health issue. Okay. So uh, that's, so not everyone would need that. So. Okay. or end up in the hospital you know the hospital if you're very 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 sick very very uh, dysfunctional and incapable then you're put in the hospital but sure. no one really wants anyone to be hospitalized no That's not the it's not the goal for for a healthy behavioral health system
0: right so, so we're coming up on, on 30 minutes uh, okay. just uh, Briefly, we, we talked, we started the program talking about what a peer was and defining what that is, right. and we talked a little bit about how this particular initiative that you're involved in came to be, and, and your background um, at Western New York Independent Living, and now as a new behavioral health peer liaison, I had to double check that because it's still a mouthful, Right. right. Um, and we talked about how people become involved in the system and can talk start talking with a peer. then we've talked about some examples in the community with advanced directives and things like that. Um, If somebody wanted to get in touch with you or the program, uh, what would the best thing for them to do be? Uh, Is there a phone number? Is there an email? How would they normally get started?
1: The best way is phone or email, whatever is. uh, The phone number is 716 836 0822. That's the Western New York Independent Living. Extension 162. You can also call the Independent Living in Genesee County and the Independent Living in Niagara County. Okay. And contact me that way too. Always extension 162. Or you can email me and hopefully you can get this right. It's the word the letters sound similar, but it's M K E L L E Y at W N Y is in yellow. I as in independent. L dot org. So that's M Kelly at W N Y I L dot org.
0: Okay, well that's very good. Um, I think uh, you know we've got a, a lot of other things to talk about. Um, a lot, so we'll save those for a future episode. But if people need to get a hold of you and, and, and talk shop a little bit, uh, they can call 716 836 0822, extension 162. Right. Um, or they can send you an email at mkelly, kelly with an EY, right? Um, at winnell.org. Okay. Yes. Well, that's great. Thank um, you, Mike. Yeah, thank thank you for, for, for talking with me about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Folks have been listening to the Peers Like Me podcast with Maria Kelly the uh, Western New York Independent Living. Um, and we'll talk to you again next time.